This is Minute 36 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Trevor Gibson, your host. With me today is... Gina Radcliffe. And Aaron Gambrell. Woohoo! Uh, in this minute, uh, Cher walks to uh, the bathroom to find uh, Murray shaving his head. No, Murray, have, no, well, no, Murray uh, having his head shaved. True. His friend Not is shaving very... it for him. I, that's that's a good point. Uh, Dion, and, and, uh, Dion is Dion is it, very upset. She's having a an emotional meltdown about <laughs> the fact that he's shaving his head, which you know he had about maybe a half an inch of hair to begin with. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking you know that he had long Anthony Kiedis like <laughs> you know locks. What that, a great contextual reference to the time period. Someone, gathered into a ponytail and just cut off with a pair of scissors i mean he looks he looks exactly the same as he did before he really just does. with a little less hair but i think the funniest part is well, is what he's saying because i'm keeping it real because i'm keeping it real <laughs> and the hand gestures he's making is just like yeah murray, murray needs a little more love in this movie as well because he's just like he's just in his own world he's a great own, character he's in he's in the murray verse and and he he just he he, you know, cares nothing about appearances or you know how this is going to look to Dion because again he's like a sixteen-year-old boy. But yeah, the the overreaction to this very small amount of hair being shaved <laughs> off his head is pretty pretty funny. Yeah, the the whole minute is pretty much comprised of uh, of Dion and Murray's argument. Uh, at the very end, uh, Sharon Ty decide to leave because apparently they do this all the time, and. Um, uh, someone asks, is that a conga line? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yep, yeah, Cher, uh, Cher and Ty decide they're going to, uh, go bump into some people, and, uh, Ty decides she's cool with that. Right, right, right. Also, this is... Right before she, get, right before she gets a, uh, a concussion. Yes. This is, uh, this is the introduction of a classic, classic tune. Rolling with homies. <laughs> Rolling with my homies. <laughs> with the homies. I love that that's what becomes their song. <laughs> Ty and Elton's song. It's the best. <laughs> oh, also, like, Dion threatens to call Murray's mother. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's the best. And again, it's not like he's gotten a mohawk or, or a facial piercing. He literally just shaved about a, a a small dusting of hair on his head, <laughs> and it's and it's I, I'm not sure how you I, I don't know Trevor if when you were 16 if you came home having completely shaved all your hair off how I mean on a scale of one being mild shrug to ten being thermonuclear how much how badly were you, were would your mother have reacted to that uh my mother would have been ecstatic because uh has she's always always told me that i look better with short hair <laughs> i'm not even talking, short, I'm talking always, short hair i'm talking bald yeah she still would have been fine because my dad shaves his head <laughs> so. so i have yeah, i actually have uh, some background information from the book as if about okay. a little bit about that Ooh. scene if i remember correctly because it's been a while since i read it as if as if the, the oral history J- jane austen hmm? oh the book by jane austen I yeah i know book. it's a classic <laughs> a literal classic um so so I, people go with pride prejudice usually but, <laughs> but no i go with as, as if. if yeah that's my that's my <laughs> that's my jam um so 
uh, Murray, played by um, Donald Faison, had his the top of his head shaved almost throughout the entire filming. And he only had, like, the sides of his hair, like, of his head with hair on it um, for, like, you know, so he could wear those, like, Kangol hats and stuff and you could still see hair there. Um, so he looked, so he looked, he basically spent the entire shoot with, like, a monk's hair. So he thing? looked like Sherman Helmsley is what he called himself <laughs> in the book. He's like, he says something like, you know, he's like, you know, I'm a light-skinned black man, so yeah, I look like George Jefferson. Like a 20-year-old George Jefferson. So, so he's probably he's probably relieved to to, <laughs> to to film this scene at that point. Yeah, I just it's, it's like, that's amazing. You finally, I, I can... know him prime. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I know him primarily from Scrubs. Mm-hmm. So and he had a shaved head in on Scrubs. So I, whenever he was shaving his head, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't see a difference right, right. really because he doesn't really. He always wears a hat. So yeah. my. Uh, the picture of him in my head that I have is with a shaved yeah. head. So it's like, oh, that's just normal. It's just normal well, him. You could definitely see. I, I mean, if, if Murray had gone on to medical school, he he would have become a lot like he would have been a lot like uh, Donald Faison's character on Scrubs. Yeah, because there, there's a lot of similar there's a lot definitely. of similarities to the character. Like he's a little childlike, mm-hmm. and he's very much like, "Woman, don't tell me what to do." <laughs> that kind of character, with you know, with a with a with a, with a you know a, a girlfriend who is you know kind of a little over a little overly serious about things. And yeah, appearances. a little motherly. Yeah, but there it, there are definitely a lot of similarities. Yeah, I feel like Donald Faison is I don't pretty understand. close to both of those characters. Like he yeah. himself probably is. I don't understand why he had to have that monk's haircut. Why they couldn't have just like scheduled around that maybe or just shaved on the day i don't know yeah i don't I, yeah i don't know that's that's odd i don't know i don't know if they were like planning yeah. the party scene cuz like you know i guess they had to have that house rented out or something so maybe it was like a scheduling issue with that well it's always funny it's always funny maybe. when you read when you read how how uh almost how movies are almost never shot sequentially right and and that's why yeah. that's why you see like you know, like I, a big one recently was the Fantastic Four, when um, Kate Mara had to come back and do a reshoot and had already cut her hair for another role, and so they put this terrible wig on. Oh her no! That that that, 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 <laughs> that fooled no one, and it was just you know it's like wow, movie magic at work. <laughs> she looks like she you know, she was given something from like Party City. <laughs> but that that has that happens a lot, and it's sometimes a little jarring because actors they'll 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 put on weight, uh, they'll you know they'll cut their hair for another role because you know the scenes are not filmed in the order they have, they end up appearing on the final project. Sometimes there's like months in between yeah. when you know they, they have to redo certain scenes. Like another example, I think is um, uh, pretty pretty to bring pretty and pink yep. up again as a. Um, Andrew McCarthy had shaved his entire head for another role and had to do the, I think it might have been the end scene, like yeah. the big re- reveal that he really loved her and was <coughs> wearing a rug the whole time. I mean, it's a little better, <laughs> a little better than the one Kate Mara I don't had know, man. Wear, I think that wig is obvious if you see it, that it, last it, scene. It is. I mean, certainly if you know what to look for it, True. you can definitely see True. it. You can definitely see it. But yeah, so it's, it's I, but I still can't figure out you know, why they just didn't let him you know, keep his hair. Until he 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 did this scene. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, this I mean, there's not a lot to really cover in this minute because it is almost entirely 
dedicated to Murray and Dion fighting over his newly shaven head and, and her threatening to call his mother for reasons that I don't, I don't know why his mother would be upset about that, but you know, maybe, maybe Dion knows something the audience doesn't know. Um, and then, you know, of course you, uh, Cher says, Oh, the same thing happened at the spring dance, which I guess Lawrence, uh, Murray's friend, you know, opens up a mobile <laughs> barbershop service and, and that, that, uh, that, that Murray, that Murray I, decided to engage in, in the middle of the spring dance. I don't know, but the, the gist is, is that I, I've just got, I love, I love that scene. The part of the, the part of this minute, whenever, um, when he was like, yeah. look at Lawrence's head, look at Lawrence's head. It's the bomb. It's all right. It's the bomb. Yeah. It, uh, just the joy on both of their faces. <laughs> and again, it's just... a little odd because, you know, Dion is carrying on like she's never seen a black man with a bald head before. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty well, She's like, look. what am I going to tell my grandchildren? Yeah. And, oh, the, <laughs> School the pictures yearbook, are coming up. Well, yes. yearbook photos are coming up. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's not like he, you know, got some kind of... Um, you know, Skrillex haircut or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's a perfectly not... acceptable haircut for yeah, a man it's... who wears Kangle hats 90% yeah, I mean, of the it's, film. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong in the slightest with how he looks afterwards. Yeah. And, and it's, and I guess it's mostly that the scene is, you know, it's supposed to be a little ridiculous that she's wildly overreacting to him shaving his head. And also to emphasize just their, their constant bickering with each other yeah i love that um the yearbook pictures and uh and what their grandchildren will think <laughs> not even what not even what their grandchildren given... her grandchildren yeah. will, will say yeah what her grandchildren will say is given equal importance <laughs> well i think she assumes that she's going to someday just you know sit her grandchildren on her lap and just you know lovingly read their her yearbook to them like, yeah. a, like a bedtime story <laughs> <laughs> And this and I won most likely yeah. to succeed. This exactly. kids was the nineties. Uh, how how big of a deal for uh, for you guys was uh, yearbook pictures? Yeah, my my yearbooks. As soon as I got it, I basically just put it in a bookshelf and just never looked at it again. <laughs> I mean, certainly did not have a lot of money to put into getting you know a, a you know elaborate hairstyle and and. I mean, we did the whole thing. We just did the thing with the with the the, the drapes, where they just kind of put the yeah. thing over your shoulder to make it look like you're wearing some kind of low cut dress. Yeah, we had that too. Uh, it's so bizarre. You were supposed I, to reflect. You were, I think you 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 were supposed to reflect. You know, by you know, the jewelry you're wearing and the hairstyle. I mean, I didn't really put a lot of thought into because I think at that point I was just like, okay, I'm just ready. To, I'm done with this. I'm I'm ready to get the hell out of here. Yeah, for senior photos, definitely. I I was like pretty involved in school because I was like. A nerd and I also played sports so I was on a lot of like committee in like a lot of committee pictures and stuff so like that's what I really remember focusing on I mean not that I like dressed up or anything but I remember being like cool like I gotta like take all these pictures but for senior picture yeah by that year I was done like I just was like I just wanted to leave so I didn't care I don't even think I don't even know if I brushed my hair to be quite honest I have no idea I never bought any senior <laughs> pictures which is very strange but yeah it was bad. Being homeschooled, a lot of people, um, there's so much media centered around high schoolers and the experience of being in high school. So I have a, a general idea of what it might must be like. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you know, I was friends with a bunch of kids that went to public school. Well, yeah, school, I mean, so. you're, you're, you're very young. So, I mean, you had 
you know, you had Facebook when you were in my school. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, because I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Was, but the, the internet was barely a thing when I was in high school. So yeah, I mean that that probably makes it a little. Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, it must be a completely different experience now. Uh, I think the closest that I think I ever came to something like that in high school was um, that's the uh, relationship statuses on Facebook. <laughs> It's about as close as I think I've ever gotten because it was uh, just something I agonized about a lot when I would think I was 15. Oh, like when you have a relationship or if it's complicated or anything like that. Yeah. 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 I'm just, yeah. I was like well, my first girlfriend that I, gay girlfriend in scare quotes. <laughs> yeah. It's close, so close to a rela- romantic relationship as you can have when you're 15. It was like, yeah, what do I do about this? Do <laughs> Yeah. It was always a big deal, especially especially fifteen, when if you were like single, as you are when you're of course, right? Yes, yeah. But like looking at it was always a big deal whenever that would come across your feed, seeing like oh, so and so is in a relationship with so and so, and then like two weeks later, it's 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 someone else, and they're also the love of their life. It's yeah, exactly. It's never. It was never. They never changed the status of single again, though. It was always. It's complicated until they started dating someone <laughs> else. Like they didn't. They didn't want to. They weren't Looking ready to admit it. and accept that they were single again. <laughs> Dion, I, a question. Uh, do you think? What do you think happened to Dion and Murray after? Um, after high school, do you think they stayed oh, together? No, or, no. Uh... I don't think oh, so I disagree. <laughs> oh, I think they I, do. I, I think that they, you know, I, I feel like they would have ended up going to different colleges and, and trying to um, maintain a long-distance relationship. And I could definitely see Murray at some point giving her the, I'm a free bird, baby, I got to fly kind of <laughs> kind of speech. And, and you know, I, I think she would just end up, you know, just dating like you know the big man on campus and he would just you know go through a series of you know superficial relationships maybe maybe later when they've had a little time to mature they get back together and work things out but no i think college would have definitely uh split them up i don't know i mean i can definitely see that and that has certainly happened to couples that i've known but like i went to school with a few people who got married right after high school and like miraculously you know i'm in my 30s now so it's been you know 10 to 15 years they've been married and they're still together and they acted like Dion and Murray act in this movie like they always act like we we had a thing called senior week um I don't know if you you guys ever experienced that but so so in in Maryland and so senior week always we went down to Ocean City which is like in the middle of Maryland off the Chesapeake Bay and Mm -hmm. uh you would just spend a week like drinking and getting high and like doing whatever so like I went down and I have a um a couple of a friend who was they were a couple in high school and they're still married now and like just after like a day of drinking and stuff I was like oh this is annoying so I went and hung out with them and it was kind of like hanging out with like cool parents even though they were my age <laughs> and so they're still you know they ex- as expected got married after or during college or after college and then they you know have two children and everything and they they just really remind me of how Dion and Murray are like just that like bickering but like always with sort of a sense of love and like the fact that like Dion threatens to call his mom that means that she has his mom's number you know what I mean like that's that's like a sort of intimacy yeah so she's been accepted by the family so I have I have high hopes for them after they graduate (laughs) I imagine that Dion in um and Murray's mother get along really I well. I imagine that Dion oh, yeah. and Murray's mother are exactly yes. alike. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think they stayed together. I think that. I think that. Um, Dion either bullied bullied Murray into going to the same college as her, <laughs> yeah, that, or they just went yeah, to the same plausible. college that, that he did. That, I could definitely see her bullying him into going to the same school. Through that, yeah. that's very plausible. Well, she's got. It seems like she has yeah, her whole think, life planned out. She's thinking about what she's going to tell her grandchildren. So I'm sure she knows like which colleges they're going to and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, she's a little type A. She is, for sure. Very type A. All right, I guess I'll be the uh, the cynical outlier here and say that they uh, they probably entirely possible. So that's a good point, though. Like thinking about so that song has become like pretty iconic to be played in that scene. But when you think about it, it's like they're like mostly like white. We're not even not white. I mean, you know, like but like um privileged. They're mostly privileged. Yeah, they're definitely all upper class kids and, yeah. and but but you know and that i think the the early 90s was when you know around the time that you know white kids you know, for whatever reason started identifying with black culture so yeah i, I didn't you know it's something it, it, it it's it's accurate for you know and that oh, definitely I mean, yeah i mean that's definitely and that's not something that's that's still you know that that hasn't really changed, but you know, again, in in keep in, in keeping no, in keeping with the timelessness of this movie and how well it's aged, it does not seem like one of these kids doing listening to this music. It's like, no, they they did that. Even Definitely. rich white kids listen to Coolio. Yeah, and yeah, it becomes Elton and yep. Ty's love song, <laughs> love theme, <laughs> love theme from Clueless. <laughs> so good. Do you have any? Do you have any f- other favorite teen movies? Uh, what would the... Yeah, there are tons of them around, like John Hughes, uh, like in the 80s, and even more recently now with like every other YA novel gets adapted into a movie. Well, um, I mean, I, I stick with the classics. Uh, I actually love the movie Heathers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that Heathers would be... An, an interesting companion piece to Clueless because it's very much the flip side of in which Veronica is basically the tie of Heather's in which she was someone that they took on as a project and ultimately made them into made, tried to make her into a clone of them, but it didn't really quite take all the way. She was, you know, well, you know, she kind of you know, was part of their group, but still didn't really fit in because she just didn't really felt like she didn't really feel like she fit in anywhere. You know, rather like rather like Ty did. It's it's very dark. Um, I feel like they they've tried to make it again a few times, but it something just doesn't really work. When there's a movie called Jawbreaker. Oh yeah, which which, which was in keeping with the same kind of you know, satirical dark tone, but there was just something missing it i think it's because mm-hmm. there was just really there were no it was one of those characters where one of those movies where there's no sympathetic characters yeah and and my tolerance for those types of movies is very limited i mean there has to be someone in a movie where you where you, you the audience finds themselves rooting for and in and in heathers you find yourself with winona Ryder's character you all the way from start to finish yeah but uh but yeah i mean as far as you know they're the movies of you know quote unquote my generation john hughes movies really have not aged well mm-hmm. uh i mean even beyond you know what everybody knows about you know 16 candles and it's you know considerable problematic issues yes. you, i mean we could do a whole podcast devoted to breaking down 16 candles and you know you know 
and thinking, thank God they can't make this anymore. Or, yeah. you know, but, um, I mean, Pretty in Pink doesn't age well. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, those are supposed to be the movies I would cling to, but I gotta, I honestly have to go with Heather's. This is hard. I don't know, like, I don't really watch teen movies, and I didn't really as a teen. I did watch Can't Hardly Wait when <laughs> I was, like, about the age of the of the main characters. Like, I was, like, properly in high school, like, maybe sophomore or junior year or something, I think. I can't remember when it came out. But um, the reason I, like, that one kind of resonated with me, and yeah, that one does not hold up at all. Like, Ethan Embry is, like, chasing after this girl, like, he doesn't know anything about her. It's, it's, he's totally just lusting after her and confuses it with love. Like, it's got a ton of problems. But there's, like, a weird subplot in that movie where, um, he thinks, he hears the song Mandy by Barry Manilow, and, like, her name is Amanda, and so he thinks it's, like, a sign or something that he should give her this, like, letter that he's written to her. And so then there's, like, this, um, he keeps hearing it on the radio, and he's, like, on the on this, like, payphone trying, because Barry Manilow is, like, at this radio station, and he's, like, trying to get a, you know, um, trying to speak to Barry Manilow or whatever, and I, like, love 70s AM music a lot, (laughs) and so, like, that weird little, like, tangent of that movie is very endearing to me, and forgives a lot of the other sins of the movie, so that, I mean, that's probably my favorite if I was pressed to say, but again, I don't really watch that many, but, um, yeah, and Ethan Embry, like, his character's bad, but I've always liked him as an actor. I think he's ridiculously charming. Uh, weird science. Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the John Hughes <laughs> movies that, that I can, that, that's, re- that's rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Although I do actually like Weird Science. It's, it's, it's surprisingly, it's surprisingly charming for what it, for what it is. I like. I liked The Breakfast Club when I was a teenager, but now I, I find a lot of its treatment of suicide mm-hmm. very problematic. Well, it's also, it's a, it, and a it, lot of it's a other very things. simplistic, it, it takes a very simplistic approach to things. It's yeah. like, well, if you're, unha- if, 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 you're, if you're unhappy about things, it's because of your parents. But a lot of times, you know, people, you know, with emotional issues, you know, come from perfectly fine, stable homes. It's just, it's a, it's not, you know, it, it's... And, and, you know, I remember watching some years ago that whole, and, and, and uh, I think it was Ali Sheedy's character said the line about when you're, when you're, when you grow up, your heart dies. And it's just like, oh, God almighty. <laughs> Talk about just yes. the clumsiest, most eye rolling, yeah. you know, meant, meant to be dramatic and profound. I think I'm going to cheat again. Uh, say to the, these are actually two pretty recent movies. Um. Uh, I think this is like 2014. I think they're only a year apart. Uh, the older one is from 2014, uh, called The Spectacular Now. As uh, Miles Teller and uh, what's her name, the girl from the Divergent oh, movies, uh, Shailene uh, Woodley. Sh- yeah, Shailene Woodley. Um, it's uh, it's it's a teen movie that's very unsentimental. <laughs> And uh, because of that, it, I, it actually comes across very real, very, uh, very honest, and very true to life at some points. Like the um, the main character, Miles Teller, is pretty mu- is like kind of an alcoholic, and um, he and uh, he, he and Shailene Woodley have a relationship in the movie, but um, it's never it's never played up as this grand love story or anything. They don't even their relationship doesn't even survive to the end of the movie. It just sort of breaks off in um, in the way that relationships in high school tend to do hmm. a lot of the time, and um, yeah, it's 
it's a very enjoyable movie for it because it's well because it's unsentimental which uh is a problem that i have with a lot oh, of teen yeah. movies it, it's definitely a lot of teen movies really push the idea of this you know these are the best years of your life another another movie i could have mentioned was also that i enjoyed was dazed and confused yeah that's a and, good one. and and one <laughs> yes. of my favorite lines in it is when they're laying out in the football field and uh i can't remember if it was jeremy london or jason london one of them says if anybody ever tells me that these are the best years of my life remind me to kill myself <laughs> and and i just yes, and i just thought true. that you know you know that's that's that puts such a stake in the heart of you know this kind of bull notion that you you enjoy your young years while you can because you don't get no better than this because <laughs> you know, when like, you re- grow up your heart dies <laughs> yeah it's like really then you know <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this and let me just go jump off a cliff right now yeah because, you know. yes. the the other movie uh is um from last year i believe uh me earl and the dying girl oh yeah i read that book which, oh yeah i haven't read the book but uh after seeing the movie i want to mm-hmm. um i'm wondering how it'll translate because so much of that movie is uh revolves around uh being a fan of film mm-hmm. and uh does a lot of it parodies shots from other movies like there's this one scene where uh taxi driver is playing in the background while her character is on the phone and it's the scene where travis bickle is uh is talking on the phone and the camera pans right. away from him and they oh, do that yeah. same shot with the main character where he, he's talking and the camera moves away oh that's pretty cool which is very subtle and uh it's very fun um but yeah it's um if you've read or watched the fall in our stars it it actually i think is a lot better movie yeah because it's um it's this guy or i know his best friend is earl mm-hmm. i forget what his i forget what his the character's name is but um he's a senior in high school and his mom basically forces him to hang out with this girl who gets um who gets cancer and uh in any other movie, they would, you know, fall in love, but they'd say repeatedly, no, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And they never do. They never get together. And it actually, so much of the movie is um, subverting YA tropes in YA tropes from film and books. Like um, the idea of the manic pixie dream girl, like the girl with cancer could very much be that. But yeah. um, she's very much her own character, I think. And um, it doesn't serve... Her only purpose in the movie isn't to make the main character, the main male character, a better person right. or, you know, shake him out of whatever depression that he's in. And um, I love that. And it is... Uh, until the... Because uh, I, I haven't read the book, I'm just going to have to give credit to the filmmakers. <laughs> but um, uh, it really captures the feeling of being young and really discovering... Um, film for the first time because mm-hmm. uh the main character and his friend earl make kind of parodies of uh of, like art house films mm-hmm. but uh they're but they're, they're designed to be terrible they're all of their movies are um uh puns all the titles <laughs> are puns and they make a movie based on that punch like a sock work orange <laughs> it's just a clockwork orange with sock puppets nice. Nice. and um it's great like the main character is a bit of like that kind of classic YA uh, male teen protagonist he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life he just doesn't so he decides he's not going to try to do anything that kind of thing but the main 
all the other characters call him out on his bullshit, which is very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. So um, it doesn't succeed in it doesn't succeed in subverting all the tropes. It does succumb to a few of them, but um, it succeeds in more ways than it fails, and I, I really enjoyed it. I still haven't seen it, but the um, the one thing I remember with the book that I really liked is that it deals it talks about the pointlessness of loss in like a very uh realistic way like you know where a teen movie like the fault in our stars like sort of romanticizes that one of the characters is dying or both of the characters or whatever and in this Mm -hmm. it's like um there's like a conclusion that's come to where it's like what a waste like it's it's like it's so realistic Mm -hmm. and like you know when someone you know is going through something tragic or whatever it's just like no man it's like it's just a waste it's not there's nothing like romantic or you know artistic about it and so i really like appreciated that as you know as yeah. a take on I, that yeah i like i like john green uh i think he's it's some actually genuinely great books but i don't know if he was t- completely successful in what he wanted to do in the fall our stars and i think where he failed mirror on the dying girl kind of succeeds yeah i agree uh yeah about wraps up the movie uh share and tide uh decide that they <laughs> they're tired of watching dion and murray fight so uh they leave they uh, on their way out they see a guy dancing with a with a plastic snowman <laughs> which is it's just like a two second shot but i love it so much <laughs> yeah and uh so concludes minute 36 move on to plugs so i host a podcast called ladies who library and it is basically just about working in a public library and i have um sometimes co-hosts come on and then also some guests and uh we just talk about different issues facing libraries but then also um what we're reading watching and listening to so it's accessible even if you're not a librarian it is available on itunes and soundcloud and uh ladies who library.tumblr.com and I write about uh, 70s and 80s television, um, including an absolutely terrible uh, television uh, spinoff based on Ferris Bueller. Uh, I do not recommend that you watch it at all. I disrecommend that anybody watch it. Um, but <laughs> you can read those uh, at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. I, uh, I host a podcast called Apparently the Greatest. Where uh, me and some friends watch every movie on the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Movies list. Um, it's a fun podcast. We uh, uh, basically talk about what what makes a classic film, why we, uh, you know, why we hold up certain films as you know being part of the canon and others not. Uh, yeah, you can find us on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes and wherever other great podcasts are downloaded for free <laughs> so check us out i'm also on twitter at haskell the owl i post i tweet every six months <laughs> so uh <laughs> if you want to follow me do so <laughs> do it at your peril <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see you guys one last time tomorrow whenever we talk about minute 37 uh i'll s- look forward to that and i'll see you guys there uh thank you thank both of you for uh for hosting this with me. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. 
is produced and edited by Darren Huston. Executive produced and hosted by Trevor Gibson, with my guests Gina Radcliffe and Aaron Gabbro. Follow us on Facebook at As If The Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If Underscore Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcast app of your choice. Rate and review us if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.